Hi everyone and welcome to the Recovered Mindset Podcast. Today we're joined by Andrew Wiseman. Andrew is the Head of Sports Science at Celtic Women's Football Club. Today we're talking about sports science and what it takes to work at Celtic Women's Football Team. Thanks and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to the Curve Mindset Podcast. Today we're joined by Andrew Wiseman. How are you, Andrew? Good, thanks. Good, good, good. Could you tell us just a wee background about yourself? Yeah, so at present I'm a sports scientist and physical preparation or strength and conditioning coach for Celtic uh, FC Women. Um, I've been here, this is my third season now, uh, up here at Celtic. Uh, before that, I was at Stevenage FC in an academy role uh, for a season. And before that, I was at Charlton Athletic working with the, the first team there. So quite a broad spectrum of, uh, of, of skill set, shall I say. No, it's always good to have a kind of such a variety of different skills because you can put so many different hats on. Um, you were a former player. Uh, who did you play for and did you retire or was there another reason for that? Yeah, uh, yeah, so as a youth player, I, I started off uh, down at Watford. Um, from Watford, I then went down to Southampton, Wickham, Gillingham. Um, played non-league uh, for a little bit, but I actually I picked up a really nasty injury at, at 19. Uh, spent some time, probably about a year and a half, trying to re- rehabilitate that. Uh, got back into the game, went over and played in Ireland. Uh, again, the, sort of the ankle packed up again. Um, ended up coaching. So on the technical side, my, my background is actually from the technical side. Uh, I started at Chelsea when I was 16, uh, a long time ago because I'm now 41. Um, but I came back to England in 2010. Uh, I started playing again and unfortunately, you know, my ankle went again and, and needed to be plated and screwed. So uh, that was over. Uh, I still do play a little bit in the veteran side, but from that moment on, from that injury, um I started to get into rehabilitation, strength conditioning and, and sports science. So I went back to university. Uh, I'd already started the course actually when I was in Ireland uh, with a professional footballers association helping me out uh, with my degree. Uh, but I stopped it uh, until I came back to the UK and then got myself into a position to, to start again. Oh, brilliant. And as you said in the kind of intro, you were at uh, Charlton and Stevenage. Could you just tell us your, kind of, your roles there, uh, how long you were there? And the kind of mindset when it comes to kind of working in different, you know, capacities. Yeah, so uh, Stevenage was an academy role. I was working with Darren Sahl, who's now the first team manager at Stevenage. Uh, very much just delivering gym programs with the players. I would go in a couple of times a week and work predominantly with the under 18s, uh, which is obviously a good age group. They're scholars. Uh, so sorry, 16 to 18 in, in England, they're scholars. Uh, I also did a bit of work with sort of like the 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, right the way up, uh, some evenings, delivering sports science support, I would say, uh, is what we would call it. Uh, so I was only there for a, a very short time. Uh, Charlton, I was there, I worked with the first team, so I was on a course and I happened to meet someone who was the head of sports science, Lawrence Bloom. Uh, 
at Charlton uh, and he invited me down. You know, he knew I had an interest in it and, and we were talking about injuries and so on. So I ended up spending a season with them, um, mainly doing not so much of the pitch-based stuff, but a lot of the gym-based stuff, uh, just helping out here and there, kind of learning uh, as much as I could. Uh, it was a really uh, difficult season. Charlton uh, were in a championship. They nearly nearly got relegated. They were in a cup quarter-final. Uh, they lost that. The manager lost his job. There was a huge amount of changes, but... To be honest, that that season, I think a lot of the stuff you know that I know now and apply, you learn from that. You learn from being in those situations. So, from sort of mindset perspective, you know, you, you learn about players, you learn how resilient they are, uh, and you also tend to realise that you know it is their job. And being relegated is, is or potentially being relegated is a, it's a huge thing because it's on your CV, and that goes for the staff as well. So it's a real eye opener into into the workings of uh, you know top-level elite football on the, uh, on the men's side. No, oh, brilliant. I'm just going back to, you know, your playing career. You obviously had that bad injury. What was your kind of mindset going through all that? Because, you know, a lot of people, people who have got a bad injury go into kind of keep their mind focused, but there's others who kind of go into depression and kind of deal with it other ways. I'm just wondering for the listeners what your kind of mindset was throughout that. Yeah, so suppose when I got the injury at 19, the first one, uh, which I would say would have been my elite phase of football. There wasn't that much backup support, so you were literally, you know, that's it. You finish. See you later. There wasn't too much to do. I know when I got that injury, I, I happened to be watched by uh, Palace and Tottenham in that game, uh, and my dad told me that the guy had said, you know, uh, this this kid would be an asset to any club, but unfortunately, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, so I, I didn't. I don't think I really thought about it. Uh, I went through a lot of different specialists to have a look at it. It took quite some time to 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 sort, but really I just wanted to get back playing. I, 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 I'd admit I fell out of love of the game for a little bit because you, you just don't know what's happening. Uh, they couldn't seem to work out what was going on with the ankle joint. Uh, eventually it got sorted, but it took probably two years. So... Uh, from that perspective, I, I probably didn't give it too much thought. I just knew that at some point I would be back. I'd, I'd broken down a couple of times through the rehab, so uh, I was still very young. You know, it was still very, very new. Uh, and again, not having maybe the support that we get these days. Um, but it was difficult. It was a difficult time, um, you know, because you realise you're probably never going to play at the, the level you, you aspire to. Uh, but I kept going. I think when I got the the second injury when I was thirty, let's say early thirties, uh, when I, when I got that injury, uh, which was horrific. You know, I spent three weeks in hospital. I've got eight screws and a plate and a bolt right the way through the ankle joint that's still in there now. Um, that was a turning point. That was a tipping point for for me. Uh, I realised that I, you know, I, I still had to work. Uh, I had to support myself. I had to have a my club had a benefit night because I couldn't work, so I started to read up. Uh, I started to think about rehabilitation and, and injury and see what I could do. And and that's I actually started getting into the gym then uh, and just doing little bits. I probably didn't really know what I was doing, um, but I was in there and I was I was trying to get better and and, and and improve myself. So my mindset was very focused, very dedicated, and just I don't think I ever had the intention of going back playing again but I wanted to to be better uh, you know the physios that I saw a few times a week could only ever do so much but you know I wanted to strengthen up those joints and 
and work hard to just get some quality of life um which was you know it was a real turning point because it was then i went back to university uh, i realized that i found something that i had a real interest in uh, so i went back to university after that so it was a it was a pretty big time uh, personally and professionally no brilliant and um it just gives the that inspiration you know sometimes when life is life's hard you just keep on focusing you just keep on being positive um, through this, you've kind of you've had a variety of uh, published articles. Can you tell us what your best one was, the most challenging one, and how you kind of research it all? Yeah, so uh, a lot of my research has come through working with the players that I work with at Celtic. So obviously, we have a question, we you know our hypothesis, and we want to test it. Um, one of the articles that was published in the Football Medical Association Journal last month was a, a critical review of anterior cruciate ligament, ligament injuries in, in male and females. So looking at, you know, uh, the injury mechanism, but also uh, the, the, the rehabilitation and the training and uh, how that differs. You know, obviously we know there is a, a higher rate in females. That was actually originally a university project. Uh, the one of my lecturers had asked me to do it did really well it gained a, a very high mark uh, but it was challenging because at that time uh, during during that time my, my grandmother passed away uh, and I also lost a very very close friend so it's very very difficult but that article to me is it means an awful lot because I you know I was going through an incredible incredibly difficult personal time um, my lecture extended the deadline by about two or three weeks and I got that in and eventually it got published so um you know that was that was a great feeling um also last year i've just just finished a study on uh sleep and its effect on high speed running uh so that was challenging because we took that over a season with the players uh obviously you expect a large sample size but it's not that that common in sports so that had to be whittled down uh, a greater in-depth analysis of you know the performance markers we are using, so that was difficult. Uh, but you know, looking forward to seeing that and presenting that in a couple of weeks at the the British Association of Sport and Exercise Science Student Conference at St James's Park. So that's been a real challenge. Uh, again, you're, you're you're working with real life subjects, so um, it's all right to say I've got a squad of 22 players, but injuries, suspensions, everything comes into play when you're trying to collect data. Um, so it's been pretty good for me I've got a couple more articles coming out uh, I think I've got one next month as well uh, and some other stuff that I'm working on so so I'm really really pleased with that side of things No brilliant and um, I can feel the, the passion you know through the through this but I've just see the achievement you know how did that I know that makes you personally very proud but you had obviously got some recognition you know how did they kind of all you know when you got that big article out how did you kind of feel you know, because obviously it's a big, big achievement. Yeah, I, I mean, it's always nice to get articles published. I think that's what any academic wants wants to have done. Uh, a lot of work goes into it from the data collection, the analysis, you know, to producing the results uh, for the study. Um, I think the first article in the FMA, I already said, was, was really, really special. Uh, and it's nice to gain recognition, you know, uh, for the work. It isn't what drives me on. For me, it's probably about the you know, improving those players uh, via the research that I've done to, to make them better. That's probably what drives me on more. So the recognition is nice and it's, it's nice to be able to do things like this podcast and some various other uh, things that I've been featured on, which have been really, really good. Uh, but I think what drives me is just improving players through research. 
Yeah, definitely. And through that, you've got you're working with the Celtic uh, ladies team. I'm just wondering yeah. how you got that job and the kind of mindset when it's kind of working with females. Yeah, I mean, I've said before, I was I started off in you know I was in the men's game all of my life, uh, so it, it wasn't really an issue going to the women's side. I've I've never seen a difference between the two. Football is football. Uh, you know, technically, physically, tactically, it's it's still the same game. Um, I got the role. Um, I had been up visiting Greg Robertson and Willie McNabb, uh, who work on uh, at that time. I think they were with the 15 Celtic boys, uh, and I visited the academy a few times. So I had a few contacts there, and uh, there was a change in management in the, the women's side, and someone had said to me they were looking for uh, sports science support, strength and conditioning. So I thought, well. You know, I'll, I'll put in for it. Uh, I was invited up to meet David Haley, uh, the women's first team manager, uh, in 2015 now. Um, I met David. I outlined, you know, what I thought I could bring to the team and, uh, and the backroom staff, and, and he really liked it. Uh, and he said to me there, and then, would you like to come on board? Which is obviously someone that grew up with a, you know, predominantly with the Celtic family and uh, family in Glasgow. I, I, I actually remember ringing my dad saying I've taken it and he was like well what are you going to do I was like no no I've taken it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about it I said yes there and then so uh, it was a massive honour you know and I think the work that Celtic have done as a club within the, the women's section and, and promoting women's football and uh, bringing it to the forefront it's, it's been really really nice to to be part of that I think the mindset when working with females uh, obviously we know there's clear uh, physiological differences you know and physical uh, we know that men are are more stronger and, and powerful. Uh, you know that's a fact. We can't escape that. That's 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 anatomy and physiology. But the mindset doesn't really hasn't really changed. You know I'm still about standards and and players attaining themselves highly. Uh, I think we've got a great bunch of players who really uh, I wouldn't say buy into my way, but have their own ways of you know hitting high standards. So uh, it's not like I've had to change any of the mindset of the players. Uh, it's just show them how I work and work with them. You know, ultimately I'm there to work with them. I'm, I'm not not there to, uh, you know, I'm going to stumble here. No worries. <laughs> yeah, you can cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, ultimately I'm I'm there for them to to use me to for, to to increase their performance. I'm not there to to tell them what to do all the time. Yeah, definitely. And it's all about teamwork at the end of the day, and therefore you can uh, you want uh, the war for the best Scottish sports science. A medical team at the Football Medical Association. What was the do you th- what was that? Could you just tell the listeners how you kind of won that? Yeah, so I'd I'd been a member of the FMA, the Football Medical Association. Uh, we were nominated by our peers uh, for an award in the best Scottish uh, best Scottish sports science and medicine team. Um, there was a women's award, but we didn't win that. We actually won the best overall Scottish team, which is remarkable if you think of all the teams we're up against, uh, you know, full-time and on the men's side as well, um, which is brilliant. It was brilliant for the staff, um, you know, all of us that worked together and worked so hard to, to keep the players fit and, and, and on the pitch and, and performing. Uh, you know, most of us, or the majority of us, by one staff member are, are part-time, so... You know, it, it is, it's hard work and we work incredibly hard to keep those players ticking over. Um, teamwork was massive. You know, there's not a day that I probably don't speak to the manager or one of the other sports scientists or the physio. Uh, and that really is the key. You know, we've all got to be on the same hymn sheet. Very often there's a reductionist approach 
where you find, you know, uh, you'll have a, a psychologist, a sports scientist, uh, strength and conditioning. Um, you'll have your technical coaches. You might have a forwards coach. You might have a backs coach. You might have a goalkeeping coach. And we all have different views. Uh, you might have an academy manager in there. So we all have different ways of working. The key is to bring that together and try and almost sing off the same hymn sheet. It's like an orchestra. You know, if one person's out of sync, you can cover that up for a while. But if it keeps going, the audience are actually going to notice that. So we work together very, very closely, and we've built a really, you know, a really good team for for what we do. Yeah. Uh, and it's incredibly important that all of us are on that wavelength and and working towards a common goal. And that is ultimately keeping players fit, fresh, well, healthy, whatever you want to call it. You know, uh, we've always said that. When we're dealing with elite players, the the whole is the whole is greater than some of the parts, uh, and that's something that we all believe in. So, yeah, and then that kind of leads to my next question. You, your expertise is, in, is working with females, like recovery, sleep, load management. Could you, why did you, why did you study this, and why does it interest you? Yeah, I mean. You you don't need to be an academic really to 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 understand or to know that there's there's not much research in women's soccer. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think of about seven or eight papers that look at the physical uh, or in a sports science context, shall we say, uh, which are all you know that is brilliant work. But there isn't that much uh, for us to go on. So I've often felt that we sometimes apply principles um, from from the male-dominated research, which may or may not have any influence on, on working with females uh, because there are other variables that you know that we need to, to account for. Uh, so this has interested me uh, an awful lot. You know, if we look at... Uh, so one of the things that I've questioned recently in a, in a literature review that I did was that we look at uh, high-speed running and speed thresholds. So we could look at... 19 and a half kilometers per hour to 24.4 uh, kilometers per hour for a high speed running and anything above sort of 25 kilometers per hour let's say uh, as sprinting but actually if you look at the, the you know the, the slightly the deficits in strength and power that you would have with a female athlete if you look at uh, so those would be your your uh, your values so your thresholds actually if you look those more as an individual so you look at them as a relative so someone so your absolute values there someone may not hit those relative values if they're if you if you measure their speed say over 20 meters so we might be saying that someone hasn't hit their sprint threshold so we say in a, in a in a game or a training session but actually it may be that they're not actually capable of doing that because of you know strength power um you know the recovery or whatever that may be so we're applying stuff those thresholds by the way the the speed and uh, sorry the high speed running and sprinting come from male game they are they have been debated recently are they correct uh, but one of the things i said in a or, or pointed in a literature review is these are not actually relevant to the female game so we need to look at a broader scope so for me it's been really interesting to study those things and and try and understand a little bit more how we can inform practice because uh, ultimately that's what my my role is to to question things to study them and then try and inform practice with the with our other coaches yeah that's brilliant and that kind of leads on to the next part of like you were um, asked to go on the Inspire Coach Education and the panel and some questions were asked who were uh, quite difficult. Could you, how did you kind of manage to deal with, you know, more difficult questions? Oh, uh, that was a difficult question you just asked me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
think it's it's really knowing your subjects uh, and understanding you know what is someone trying to ask you you know not everybody has a especially when it comes to something like sports science not everybody has a, a, a sports science background or not everybody understands it which is probably us as sports scientists that's probably our fault um so someone might ask me look i've got a group of 12 year olds i want to make them quicker well that's an incredibly broad question uh, you know, I don't know those players, I haven't worked with them, I don't know what their capabilities are. So I think when you get difficult questions like that, you have to have that context that not everybody has your knowledge, uh, your expertise, if if you want to call them that. Not everybody knows your subject area. Uh, so you have to try and simplify that and, and get your point across as, as, as clearly as possible, um, which is a challenge in itself. But if you understand your subject and you understand what that person is trying to get, trying to say to you, you know, you can hopefully give a good answer. Yeah, brilliant. Can you just tell us uh, what's next for you? What's the next kind of, what's the next couple of years kind of look like? Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I've got a few things in the the pipeline. I'm I'm looking at further education, further research uh, with a, uh, another university, um, which is in the in the pipeline. It's in that process. Um, Obviously, I like the applied setting as well. So I like being on the training pitch. I like being in with the players. You know, I, I don't think you for all the the data that we collect, you will never uh, get a better feeling of actually being with a player and asking them how they feel. You know, people don't lie to you. They'll tell you if they don't feel well. They'll tell you if they feel top of the pops. Um, so I like that applied setting. I like being involved with the players. Uh, I, I love my role at, at Celtic. Uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic to know that in some way, shape, or form, you're you're a part of what's evolving, um, you know, and, and that's a fantastic feeling. And hopefully, some of my let's say research to come will help with the the practice within women's football. Um, so that's keeping me going. That's keeping me ticking over. Uh, I've got a, a few more articles to write. Uh, we've proposed a few more studies, so we'll see where we go with that. But at the moment, you know, I'm pretty happy where I am. And like I say. The thing that drives me on is just improving, improving those players. Okay. And having that growth mindset to learn, you know, and just kind of always trying to better yourself so you can get the best, the best. I'm sorry, the better out of the players. Um, Absolutely. Where Where can people find your work? Just as a final question. Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Twitter uh, at Mr. Wiseman. You can, you know, I'm always getting fired over questions on there. It's probably the best place to to get me. Um, you know, I'm interested in everything really. You know, I like to see how uh, other practitioners work. I've I've been really lucky. I'm visiting Millwall in a couple of weeks. Uh, I was in a conference at the weekend with the guys from England and Arsenal, um, and I've also got the FMA Awards coming up soon. And and tomorrow we have a, a conference at Celtic Park with uh, you know a lot of the other staff there. So um, I'm always interested in what other people are doing. Um, you know, not in a nosy way. But I think it helps inform your own practice. You know, I think the best thing you could do is actually question your own practice and constantly question it, because that's the only way you'll ever learn. Uh, um, as a person, I'm, you know, I, I'm always looking to be better, always looking to better myself. Uh, I'm never quite satisfied. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it would drive some people to distraction. Uh, but I'm always looking for answers, and I, I think the key with with what I do uh, academically and, and sports science, you must have questions uh, because I've always believed the answer is in the question. And that sounds like 
really obvious and really cliche, but if you're there's no such thing as a bad question. Uh, but if you're asking the right questions, you'll get where you want to be, and you'll get those answers. So uh, I'm quite open as a as a practitioner. You know, uh, like I say, uh, I, I'm open for anyone to contact me because uh, I'm always willing to discuss things. Uh, brilliant. And we'll link the articles you've published. Thanks again, Andy. It's been really interesting, and have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Any feedback, tweet us at The Curve Mindset or email us at thecurvemindset at gmail.com. Thanks.